The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And the way that CrossFit was created was as a supplement to your other sports. It assumed that you had an active lifestyle profession, played other sports, and did CrossFit. So you were doing three active things. You're a firefighter. You're a landscaper. You are cutting logs for a living. Then you are also playing men's league hockey and you're doing like that's, that's what, so doing CrossFit by itself four to six times a week might be under-programmed. Like that's Mm. like, it's might be under-programmed. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. As always, I'm here with Mr. Ben Bergeron. How are you? I'm good, Mr. Patrick Cummings. Thank you. (laughs) We're going to do our two-minute drill this week. Two-minute drill is when... um, I go through my Instagram DMs and I pull out all the good questions that listeners send us and send you. uh, And I throw them out to you with the caveat being that you're supposed to answer them within two minutes. And I actually feel like we've been getting better at this lately, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Faster Um, and faster talking. Yeah, exactly. It it depends entirely on your mood for the day. Um, So we've got a handful of questions. The questions are certainly within the realm of stuff we always talk about, but otherwise are relatively random. Um, if folks want to submit questions for the show, the best place to do that, like I said, is on Instagram. Find me at PS Cummings. Drop me a DM. I promise I read all of them. I add them all to our list and then we try to get to them as quickly as we can. All right. Ready? Let's do it. First one. I've been working with a coach for a year following an injury. What are some signs that you should stick with a coach and what are some signs that it's time to move on? Um, uh, great question. Uh, I think if you're asking the question, it might be time to move on. Because <laughs> um, generally- Kind of like a kind of like a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. It's like a <laughs> yeah. job. It's like a girlfriend. It's a place to live. It's anything. If you're kind of like wondering like, hmm, is it yeah. time to move on? Then it might be time to move on. Um, and honestly, I would rely on your gut. And that sounds so weird. I'm going to keep this under two minutes. But um, your gut, it's a real thing. It's, um, mm. it's built into like your evolutionary biology, which you cannot put into words, things that your subconscious brain will recognize. And that's like, when you fall in love with somebody, you can't be like, oh, I, I just, I just, I, I just love them. I can't stop thinking about them. That's like, yeah. it's your gut. And if you're wondering if it's time to move on from somebody, it might be time to move on. Now, that's the first one I was just rely on your gut. But if you want to put like some actual, like, uh, on a spectrum of things that you should be looking for. Um, the first one I would do is like, is, do you enjoy the time with the coach? Um, is it, is it a value add to your life or is it a, a, is an energy draw? Um, is the coach encouraging? Is it, is the current, is the coach interested in you? 
or are they kind of there punching the clock? Are they engaged with you? Do they feel like, do you feel like they care a lot about you? Um, and are you seeing progress? Like, that's just like, like, are you getting what you're there for? Um, now maybe that's progress. Maybe that's just a level of accountability and it's kind of up to you to decide what you're there for. Um, but that'd be the thing. Are you like, are you getting your money's worth? Is it worth your time and worth your energy? Are they moving the needle for you? And if you're still having a hard time figuring out after that, then I would just go with your gut. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Next question. What do you do to connect with your wife? For years, I've abstained from movies, TV, et cetera, because I felt it was a waste of my time. But eight months ago, my wife uh, my wife had enough. She needs me to sit down next to her, hold her hand, watch uh, and watch mm-hmm. a mindless TV show. Since then, <laughs> lots of judgment in here. Um, <laughs> since then, we have watched several series. I'm wondering if you guys have run into similar issues. Okay, so tangent alert, but yes. with this like this judgment and mindless TV. You know how I feel like you do about TV and I cannot for the life of me get into a series. I've tried Breaking Bad. I've tried Game of Thrones. I've tried Yellowstone. I can't get through one episode. I just, yeah. I cannot do it like you can't because we're like this person that says it's like mindless. I don't feel like I'm moving myself forward at all. Dot, dot, dot. I got into one. <laughs> Tell me because I got one too because I did the same. Ted Lasso. Oh my God. It's the same one see we're the same totally right <laughs> that's so funny uh, yes and yes, the reason that lots of judgment and the reason that popped in my head was twofold is like we're talking about tv series and mindless tv but also there's an episode in ted lasso where he quotes a walt whitman quote which i love and i've shared with my athletes recently which is yep. be Very curious awesome. not judgmental and it's like the ted lasso show so people on this um list that listen to this they're probably a lot like us and they have a hard time sitting down to mindless. Uh, this is not mindless. It's so well-crafted fiction um, that is so in line with the things that we talk about. Um, cool thing is too, I think there's only one episode, but Apple TV, I just found out, uh, just signed them for three more episodes, three more series, yeah, three more seasons. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. Yeah. So it's on Apple TV. So that's the only place yeah. you got to find it. But So uh, it's really good though, right? You like it? Yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody I'm working with turned me on to it. And the, and the scene that got me to look for the season was the, the, the dart scene, which is the quote. That's, that a, you that's just a Ted Lasso. That's exactly which, it. Yeah. Yeah. So if yeah. folks want to get a taste of it, go just search for Ted Lasso at dart scene and you'll get, it's like a five or six minute scene. If you like that, if that feels good to you, you'll like the whole series. So I was talking in a coach's meeting, I was talking to my coaches and I was talking about the importance of curiosity. And one of my coaches was like, oh, it reminds me of that Walt Women quote, which was in Ted Lasso. And I was like, don't know what you're talking about. Um, but if you can find that, he was like, it's a great yeah. scene, da, da, da. And I was like, if you can find the next five minutes, we'll pop it up in this meeting. Yep. So we found it on YouTube. And that's what got me into it as well. The exact same scene. That's so funny. That's so was- crazy, Patrick. <laughs> okay. So beyond that, let's let's actually tackle this question. That- <laughs> well, two minutes is up, bro. Next. I know. We're done. Moving on. <laughs> Ted Lasso. Uh, Go okay. watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> so maybe that's one. Maybe, like... Uh, you know, listener, go go watch this with your spouse because I watched it with my wife, who is worse than me and you. She cannot watch TV, period. And she got wrapped in it. And she liked it a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, other than that, though, um, I think they asked, like, have you ever been there with us? And like, the answer is yes. Yeah. Like, of course. Like, everyone's in that. Everyone's been in that spot where um, someone else has some sort of um, interest that you don't have a lot of interest in, and you're trying to connect over something. Here's um, 
I don't, I don't have the answer in terms of like what this person should do. I can only speak from experience of something that I've done recently that has really moved the needle for my relationship with Heather. And that is, um, I've been working hard to get home 10 minutes earlier every mm. day, like not 10 minutes earlier, every single day. I usually get home at six. I'm trying to get home at quarter of six or 5.50 to allow us um, an extra 10, 15 minutes. We're having dinner maybe five minutes later than we normally do. But we've started to um, do a self-care practice when I get home. Mm. So we've done um, um, Wim Hof breathing. We have a sauna. So we've done a sauna. Um, we share reading together. Like we'll, we're both uh, – She's reading Eckhart Tolle's New Earth. I'm reading Deepak Chopra's um, uh, Seven Laws of Spiritual Success or something like that. Okay. Um, we go on walks, um, so we've, we're I'm, we're we're actively doing something together. Like we are, and then we all of those things have a discussion after them. Even if you're reading, then you sit down, and you go like takeaways, thoughts, whatever it is. Yeah. We go in the sauna. It's just the two of us in the sauna sitting across from each other and we talk about things. We go on walks and we talk about things. Um, Saturday mornings, I used to get up earlier than her and exercise in the garage by myself. Um, we're now doing that together. Um, and I'm doing a better job of, even when we used to exercise together, I used to be like, this is my time. This is my space. This is like, this is where I detach. And this is where I do my mental agility drills, whatever it is. Um, and now I'm there present with her. So a big part of this I think is, um, ego, honestly, not ego is like, I'm most important. I need to win ego in terms of like, um, inability to stay present, Mm. which is, um, we are bringing arbitrary imagined past events and we are projecting unforeseen, unimaginable, not real future events. And because of that, and that's how we navigate the present. All with those two filters, always going like we're pattern wrecking the machines and we are fearful of the future to try to keep ourselves alive. And because of that, we're never actually really, really present. And what a disservice to the people that mean the most in our lives. And it's something I've come, I realize I've blown the two minute drill thing already. Second question. Ted Lasso ruined it. Yeah, uh, but um, I think this is worth hammering home a little bit. Um, I've realized uh, over the last like uh, maybe a little bit, whatever that is, um, how much of a challenge this present thing is. And I used to give myself a lot of credit for being, you know, I've done a lot of self-exploration to try to be as good a version as I can be. And I've realized how much biases... I bring into events that Mm. aren't serving me at all. Um, And if you can strip those away, um, like I'm trying to, I'm not there. Um, It it really does open up a lot of availability for connection that might not otherwise be there. And I'm not saying to this person, like you need to meditate or go in a sauna with somebody. I'm also not saying go and hold their hand while you watch mindless TV. What I'm saying is try to drop the ego. And again, not like I'm better than somebody else, not that ego. Just like, are you bringing either projections or past to this moment? 
because that's why we can't sit. And I used to say like, it's okay to um, not have a lot of joy. It's okay to not have a lot of happiness, like the way everyone describes happiness, because what we're doing is there's suffering involved in the world. And what we're doing is trying to find our truest deity be yourself and, you know, honoring your suffering, you know, um, Victor Frankl style is the ultimate. That's part of it. The other part is you can be light. You can be free. You can be lighthearted. You can be joyful if you're not bringing these We are pattern recognition machines. If you drop the patterns and just sit in this moment, gosh, things get a lot lighter and you can be a lot freer. Yep. Yeah. The way I always think about that is, is it's so easy to time travel, right? Time travel back to the past, time travel to the future. It's so hard to just stay where you are. Yeah. And I used to think that what that meant was like, you're thinking about the past or you're thinking about the future. And it's not, it doesn't have to be that it's not that binary. You're mm. in the present moment. You're thinking about the present moment, but you're thinking it through the lens of all of your past experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's what's effing us up. Because you hear a dog bark. I hear a dog bark. You grew up with a golden retriever that used to bark when you used to come home. So that barking to you means love is waiting and you get excited mm-hmm. and you feel good. I got bit by a dog three times as a child. So when I hear a dog bark, I get fearful. We are mm-hmm. all walking around this world with these imaginary made-up worlds that do not really exist. What's happening is there's a dog barking, and it means nothing more than that. <laughs> yeah. And if you can drop this past, it's not like dog barking, oh, when I was younger, I had a golden retriever. That's, so that's why this means we're not doing that. But that's what we should be doing. We should be recognizing the triggers that are causing us to feel these certain ways. And when you are sitting with your wife on a Thursday night and she wants to watch Gossip Girl and you're going, no, I won't do that. Why? Why won't you do that? That's what we should be asking ourselves. Mm. What is it about that moment that you have a hard time sitting down? Is it because, I don't know, like that's for us each to figure out. Mm-hmm. It says a lot uh, that your example right there was Gossip Girl, which I think was like 15 <laughs> years ago. So. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. <clears throat> I've been an active and busy guy for a decade and often wrangled with anxiety and chronic insomnia despite mm. training and working hard daily. Recently found that my cortisol is completely depleted, so adrenaline is going 24-7, i.e. wired and tired. As a result, I've had to really cut back training to just calisthenics and yoga, and I've prioritized meditation and a more low-key lifestyle. As you can imagine, it's a tough adjustment, and I find it a lot harder now to, to quote-unquote, pump myself up for a workout. Have you or Ben ever experienced uh, adrenal fatigue uh, with yourselves or athletes? What has been your experience or insights? Yeah, cool question. Um, yeah. So I'll answer the last part first, which is, uh, yes, I've experienced it with my athletes. I don't know if I've experienced it to that level myself, but certainly on lower levels, right, mm-hmm. which is just drained um, – but I've experienced that at very high levels with some of my athletes, the point where adrenal fatigue, the point where um, their hair started falling out. So it was like, it was mm. for real. Is uh, it worth maybe explaining what it, adrenal fatigue is? It would just be, so folks have a little bit of context? It would be if I knew, if I knew enough okay. to explain it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not the expert in that, so I can't go there other than think like chronic fatigue um, that you just kind of can't shake. Um, and uh, it's causing 
Um, it's not like, oh, if I get some more, if you just sleep more, you're going to be good tomorrow. It's like mm-hmm. a chronic thing. Um, so, so from there, I think that this, the person asking this question is doing, uh, yep. they're doing it right. It's just, it's hard. So <laughs> I, I've switched out the higher intensity and the constant go, go, go for the lower intensity, the calisthenics, the yoga, the meditation. I'm trying to put a more chill zone in my life. Um, that's. That's the suggestions, um, swapping out high intensity for meditation. Love all of that. Love it. That's exactly where I would go with this. Um, I will speak of the meditation. Like there's, um, I wouldn't get pigeonholed into one variation. So if you just do meditation and you do the calm app or you do headspace, I would experiment with, um, I don't know how to say some other than like some, um, so as a hard charger, you might get off more on like some hardcore things like Wim Hof. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. some ones that like get you like, uh, you know, some really like hypoxic breathing where it's very intense yoga yeah. and that might, um, that might like bridge the gap for you a little bit better. Um, but the idea is it's not going to happen today, tomorrow, or, uh, next week. You have to realize that this might take, and you're not gonna like the answer to this, but this might take six months. You might have to be doing this for six months. And then from there, the, the, the worry about like I have a hard time getting kind of charged up for workouts. No, dude, you're not supposed to get charged up for workouts. That at this, you're supposed to be doing EMOMs. You're supposed to be doing um, more steady. You're supposed to be when you don't. You're supposed to sweat and not um, be on the floor afterwards. You're not supposed to be scared of the barbell because um, where you are with that adrenaline and cortisol is so out of whack. Um, the other thing I would do is I would start to get more uh, a circadian rhythm. So um, try to uh, work on some really good sleep practices, meaning like you're dimming lights in your house. Um, you know, as it gets dark outside, don't have artificial light at all. Make sure you're off of electronics two hours before bedtime. You're eating two hours before bedtime. Um, I, I don't need to list all those things. We have plenty of podcasts that we've done on sleep or just look up good sleep hygiene practices. Um, and then from there, I would start doing your workouts early in the morning. That is when cortisol is supposed to be the highest and it's supposed to taper off throughout the day. Uh, that's when you want to be doing that. So that's what I would uh, – that's where I would go with that. But other than that, the, the awareness level is super high for this listener and I think that they're doing a great mm-hmm. job. Cool. Next question. I am a mediocre CrossFitter who started in my mid-30s having never worked out or played sports before. I don't have competitive aspirations. I simply want to be fitter in my 60s than I am in my 30s. I do the boxes programming wad uh, six days a week and one-on-one coaching for cardio or strength four days a week, depending on the season. I feel good with this, but my husband is worried about burnout. If I feel good, is this a healthy load or workload or do I need to scale back due to my age and late start? Okay. Uh, first off, I love it. Rather be fitter in your 60s than your 30s, not competitive, but um, you are competitive and I love that about you. Mm-hmm. Um just because you don't sign up for a competition doesn't mean you're not competitive. Just because you're not trying to get better scores, you're, you're, competitive, you're competitive with yourself. You want to be fitter at 60 than you were at 30. That's competition. That's awesome in the best, best possible way. So lean into that. Embrace it. You are a competitor. Um, from there, is it are, – are, should you heed your spouse's warnings that um, you're setting yourself up for burnout? That it depends on so many other factors. I can't say that without knowing some other things. So let me th- just list some of the things that you should be on the lookout for. The first one that's most obvious is what else, 
what is the box training like? So if your box is doing um, strength before their Metcon and then they're doing big Metcons that are lasting 15 to 20 minutes and you're on the floor afterwards and you're also doing this extra stuff, I would say that your husband's probably more right than wrong. If you're doing this and you're also um, working a full-time job and you're also raising kids and you also have a uh, – um, you do fundraising and you're also part of the community garden club. I don't know if that's a thing. Then I would say that you're really probably doing too much. If you're doing this and you're not sleeping well, then you're probably doing this. If you're doing this and you're not eating well, you're probably – everyone listens to podcasts regularly. I'm just going through the five factors. And each one of those factors is going to influence whether this is too much or too little. As you ramp up training, the other things need to take precedent as well. Now, what people can get away with is if you're not training a lot, your fear of overtraining, I should say, if you um, are are doing all of the other things very, very well, think about a games athlete who has no other stresses in their lives. Ideally, of course they do. Um, but we're trying to do is mitigate as many stresses as we can. They can handle more training. That's the reason they can because they're putting more into recovery. They're they're um, putting more into their nutrition. They're focusing on their sleep. So um, the burnout level is just going to happen. It's like what's um, what's going to overflow. Um, so we've got to make sure we're filling up the other buckets as you fill up the training bucket. Mm-hmm. Would you just thinking about this this kind of uh, setup, right? Six work, six cr- assuming six CrossFit workouts, six Metcons, whatever you want to consider that, and then on top of that, four extra sessions. Is there? without the the context of like, is this too much? Am I going to burn out? And all that? Is that just generally, would you prescribe that to somebody who didn't have a very specific goal at the end of it, whether it was maybe I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to yeah. get better at the, the sport of CrossFit? Like, yeah, me, I that, would. Yeah. I, I'm no, just I, curious if like that, you would ever prescribe that without, without knowing obviously more. For sure. That is not out of the realm whatsoever. Cause really put that into context. Like Greg Glassman, the way that CrossFit was created was as a supplement to your other sports. Yep. It assumed that you had an active lifestyle profession, played other sports, and did CrossFit. So you were doing three active things. You're a firefighter. You're a landscaper. You are cutting logs for a living. Then you are also playing men's league hockey, and you're doing – like that's that's what – so doing CrossFit by itself four to six times a week – might be underprogrammed. Like that's mm. it, like it's might be underprogrammed. Might be. Yep. What I'm, what I do, but doing CrossFit four to six times a week and doing um, a 5K one day, going and doing some extra squats and benching the next day, and the next day going and play pickup basketball, the next day going for a two hour hike, for sure, for sure is not overtraining. Now, if you're coming off the couch, it is. Yes. And we have to have the right ramp up for everyone. But for this person that you can tell has been doing this regularly, they're very interested in it. They love it. It's like, and they're working with a coach. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Cool. Next question. I'm a wrestler growing up. Uh, I was a wrestler growing up and throughout high school. Now that I'm removed from it, I still have a bad relationship to food with a lot of binge eating mm. from all the weight cutting. How can I work to change my relationship with food to a more positive perspective instead of always thinking about it in a negative or unhealthy way? I, I think that they're pointing at the answer in their question. Mm. Um, 
which is they're looking at food as a negative, mm-hmm. right? And which is what most people do. Most people are like, and every diet is about negativity. Yep. Eliminate this, cut this, lose that. Like every single diet, it's restrictive. It's eliminate this, lose weight. These foods are bad. And what very, very few do is make sure you get in this. Make sure you're adding this. Make sure at least there's this much of this, mm-hmm. which is what EC and the 800 gram challenge has done very, very well. 100%. Yep. So my my suggestion for people that are struggling with this type of nutrition is have the paradigm shift. Make yeah. sure, make sure you're getting in at least a pound of, um, sorry, a gram of protein for every pound of lean body mass. You got to get that in. So now it's like right there, it turns it from restrictive to additive. You have to get at least, that's the minimum. So you got to eat, bro. You got to eat, you got to eat, you got to eat. Yeah. Then from there, make sure you're eating at least three meals a day. So, and each meal has to be the same size. So right there, binging goes away. Like you can't binge now because whereas binge is like, I'm going to restrict, restrict, restrict. I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to eat, I'm going to get, then I'm going to, it blows up. So now- you have to get in the protein. You have to get in the timing. And then from there, you have to get in whatever you want to do. 800 grams of fruits and vegetables if we're doing ECs thing. Or the majority of every plate has to be fruits and vegetables. It's even simpler. Mm-hmm. And just there, just those three principles, you got to get in the protein. You got to get in three meals. You got to get veggies and fruit at every meal. It kind of negates the uh, the opportunity for that the other mindset. Yeah. Add, 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 not subtract, subtract, subtract. Got it. Next question. I'm a police officer and frequently encounter intense situations that are both mentally and physically demanding. Do you have any specific insights from coaching elite athletes regarding mindset and self-talk during intense situations? Yeah, that's what I do. That's why that's what I talk <laughs> to my athletes about all the time. Um that's what I believe is the number one thing for performance is, is the mindset. And it's such the right question. And gosh, can I, you know, um, I can't relate cause I'm not a first responder and I've never been in the military, but I can, uh, imagine the, um, the challenges of that profession. My brother is a first responder. Uh, mm-hmm. he is in, he is a firefighter. Um, so I can, I, I have some on the periphery. I work with a lot of people that have spent, uh, time overseas and seen, you know, some, some, um, in the military, some, um, horrific things. So I'm not going to pretend that what I do with my athletes is the same cause it's not, mm-hmm. um, having said that there's, there's, principles for dealing with stress. Um, and when I went out and spoke with the Navy SEALs, the thing I was most taken, I, I took away most from them, which I, I know was more than they took away from me talking about, <laughs> yeah. is um, how much emphasis they put on breathing. Oh, um, it's like, I was, I was shocked by it, honestly. It was before mm-hmm. I got into any of my breathing practice. And, and so I was kind of like, it was actually one of the big reasons I, I got so interested in breath work was from Mm -hmm. speaking with them. Um, but it's a way to, it's a way to, um, all right. So again, blowing up the two minute drill thing, 
when we get stressed, your body switches. There's this autonomic nervous system made automatic and it controls the things in your body. One is called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and repair. It's when you're relaxed. It's when your immune system's doing its job. It's when you're digesting your food. It's when um, you should be spending the majority of your day, um, your mind, you can think very clearly. The other is called the sympathetic nervous system. And this is the fight or flight. This is like, shit's gone bad. Like you got to react and do something now. Whether that's saber-toothed tiger chasing you down, um, boss sending you down for a bad review, or um, a first responder in a horrific um, um, situation. The way to get yourself out of the sympathetic and back into the parasympathetic nervous system, the hack is your breath. It is, mm-hmm. it is controlling your breath. And the most popular breath technique that the SEALs seem, I'm going to say seem to use because I didn't talk to all of them, um, but the one that has been espoused the most, it's a form of box breathing. Yep. Um, and it is um, a four second inhale. So four count inhale through your nose, hold for four seconds, a six second exhale through your mouth and a two second hold. So it's just, a, it's an extended exhale from normal box breathing. Normal box breathing is four in, four hold, four out, four hold, four in, four hold, four out, hold, four in, and so on, the box. The, the prolonged exhale actually even exemplifies, it actually gets you even more calm because what ends up happening is when we get freaked out, we start to breathe really short breaths and the panic meter um, is how much your body's reading, how much CO2 is in your body. It's not reading how much oxygen, the oxygen level doesn't change, but the CO2 level does because we're not taking full exhales. Mm-hmm. So that nasal breathing is one way. And then the exhale, prolonged exhale, and then your body realizes it just falls into cadence because it goes, I'm cool. I know I'm getting my next breath. Everything's yep. balancing out and it kind of calms the whole system down. Um, how much breath work are you doing now with your athletes? Just out of curiosity, because I'm, I'm not sure we've talked about it. We do it. a form of Wim Hof breathing uh, at least once a week as a group. Um, mm. The kind of, uh, um, we've done it all different. So um, yeah. years ago, it was, they did it on their own 10 minutes yeah, every day that. before every training yeah, session. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the, um, the, the hypoxic over breathing. It was a meditative breath work, more like box breathing. Um, and right now we're doing uh, a form of Wim Hof um, once a week together as a group. And the, uh, I think that probably half of them do it another day on their own as well. Got it. Cool. All right. Next question. I'm a comp train athlete. Strength is a big weakness of mine as well as skills. I do the open track on comp train and add in pieces from the games track when I feel good and am able to do it with the right stimulus. My question is, if I'm hardly ever sore... Can I train more? Is that beneficial or do I just need to be patient and stick with uh, stick on the road that I'm on? It's a cool question, but um, sore, the goal is not to be sore from training, um, but the goal is also to not avoid soreness. So <laughs> right. it doesn't really, that him saying I'm not sore doesn't really help me out that much. Got it. I guess if he said so that's like, not the so- indicator, that's not right, the indicator it's, of it's, you're I shouldn't at the say right that. spot. It's one of many indicators. Got it. Um, you know, it's like saying, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give analogy. It's just one of three indicators. Um, so in terms of 
recoverability from workouts, there's really three things. There's one is soreness. He's right. She's right. One is soreness. The other is um, like metabolic distress, which is basically like you're gasping for air. So think about um, running a 800, a 400 meter as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. Well, afterwards, you need, you're going to be breathing really heavy, but you recover from it pretty quickly. And what you need there is time. So it's not about anything else other than time will get you back to recover that. Some people it's 30 seconds, some people it's three minutes, some people it's three hours, some people it's three days, right? But after time, you'll be able to match that effort. Um, said another way is if I had you immediately repeat two seconds later that same effort, you would not be able to maintain that speed. So you're actually diminishing your performance and getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one is what we just talked about <laughs> is is CNS, um, mm-hmm. central nervous system fatigue, which is a little bit harder. It's That's what can cause adrenal fatigue. That's what it's too much time in fight or flight. Um, it's... Um, it's the combination of those three that really kind of tell me how this person's recovering, adapting from training. Equally, what I'd like to know is, are they um, are they making gains? Where are they in the life cycle of themselves as an athlete? Um, and this is honestly how we determine beginner, intermediate, and advanced and elite lifters. Um, beginner lifters, the way you define a beginner lifter is somebody that can make gains from workout to workout. Yeah. And think about like anybody that's just starting off their CrossFit journey or you take a high school kid, right? You take a high school kid, put them on a bench press and the first day they do 65 pounds, three sets of 10 for 65 pounds. Then they come back in two days later and they can do it for 75 pounds. Mm-hmm. And the next day they come in and they can do it at 85 pounds, you know, three days later. That's like not day to day. That's not going to happen, but like session to session. Um, intermediate is where people are making gains basically like week over week. So you could go, um, the heavy bench press is on, this is where most people, this is why like the international, Monday is international bench day, right? Like everyone benches <laughs> on Monday and then they don't bench press again until next Monday. That's because most people are intermediates and they need the full week to recover. And then elites take months, right? They take months and it might take them six months before they PR their lift. And that's why they can only do two max, maybe three competitions a year. So where are you in that life cycle? Um, if uh, if this listener is in the beginning stages, then um, yeah, be patient. Just be patient. It's going to come. If you're in the later stages, it's like, no, you got to figure out, you got to shock the body, you got to change something, you got to um, um, add in extra supplemental work, you got to do something else. So train a weakness, you got to do something else. So it's not as simple as I'm not sore, should I do more? I am a doctor and I've been doing CrossFit for a little over a year. I've also been coaching high school wrestling for a few years. My current team is a bunch of great kids, some of whom are quite good, but they've never had a consistent off-season strength and conditioning program, nor a good nutrition program. I was wondering if there are any high-yield courses or books or that sort of thing that could help me design both of them. Uh, I was high school kids. Is that what he said? Yeah. High school wrestlers. Yeah. Um, Yep. I'll, I'll just... Flat out, um, I'll put a pin in both these. If you did start the starting strength program and the 800 gram challenge with your athletes, those two things, um, boom, like starting strength by Mark Ripto and 800 gram challenge by EC Sinkowski, um, optimize mm-hmm. me nutrition, those two things. 
Awesome. I, I answered the last question in two minutes. We got one more. We got one oh, more. Oh, shit. Okay. Shoot. <laughs> I swore twice on this podcast. I you never did. swear. <laughs> last one. A couple of months ago, I got a promotion at work. I'm happy for I'm happy for the extra money, but my responsibilities have gone way up. I feel like my cardio has gone way down and I don't perform as well in the gym since the promotion. I'm not sure if they're linked or not. Could other stressors like this negatively affect workouts? For sure. Yes. 100% for sure. That's why we call it the five factors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And one of those, the most overlooked of those. So the kind of real quick recap. Two makes sense to everybody, right? It makes sense to everybody. Your doctor talks to you about these. You got to exercise. You got to eat well. So mm-hmm. right there, there's already one more. It's like, how are you eating? And as people get more busy at work, usually nutrition slides some because now it's, I don't have time to sit there and make my dinner because I'm getting home a little bit later or I have work afterwards. I got to answer emails. Something happens. Um, instead of like um, a nicely prepared lunch, it's like uh, at my desk and it's uh, the quick fast food thing or whatever it might be. So um, nutrition's one. Next is sleep. Once you hear it, it makes a lot of sense, but your doctor's not talking to you as much about it. Um, as your job becomes more important, sleep sacrifices for a lot of people, especially if it, the workload goes up. Yep. The the next ones after that are basically, I, I, I combine them and call them stress, mm. um, which is um, basically the way we mitigate stress really well is the way you connect with other people. Um, and your mindset. Um, but essentially it's stress and most people, as they get higher levels of responsibility, the stress goes up and that's the one that most people aren't, um, tying to performance, aren't tying to leanness, aren't tying to health because it's, um, busy has been a, a social like notch in your belt for a long time. Like being stressed has been cool, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm so overworked and I'm so busy and your parents are like, you're crushing it. It's like, I'm so proud of you. And like, yeah. if you're getting a lot of sleep and you're meditating and you're spending time with walks in the woods, people are like, what are you doing with your life? Yet, yeah, that's actually the most productive things we could be doing. So to answer your question, Yes, 100%. Um, The other things matter a lot. And as um, one gets shortchanged, that's the thing that's going to bring you down. It's going to represent itself in a host of different ways, one of them being performance in the gym. Yeah. Got it. All right. That was a pretty good job. Two minutes. (laughs) Close enough. I'm a friend. Thank you. Thank you, everybody out there. Thank you, everybody out there, for sending us questions. Again, just find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM, and I will add it to our long uh, and wonderful list of questions. Thank you to everybody out there for listening, for leaving ratings and reviews. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.